The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Harley Ruda, and I'm running for the 48th District of California, and I never, ever listen to I Doubt It with Dalamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Welcome to the show, episode 458 by with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. Joined today by the lovely, the talented, the beautiful, and scholarly, Brittany Page. It's a really good thing that we got our flu shots. And we're not going to spend an entire <laughs> oh, I know you're gonna talk about. <laughs> intro talking about flu shots again. Yeah. But I will say, I think it was two weeks ago that I got mine. So I'm officially inoculated. Yeah, because it takes two weeks to kick in. Um, But we went to a concert this weekend. And yeah. uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, for those of you who are wondering which concert we went to. Awesome. Unbelievable band. Great music. Yes. And we were shoved into the wheel turn in los angeles like a bunch of um tuna fish in a can yeah no that's it it it, it really is like a school of fish that's just yeah you're just crammed into the school of fish Yeah. yeah and there was a grown adult male standing directly behind me and at a certain point i started hearing a sneeze while feeling a burst of air on my back do you get what I'm saying? This person was sneezing on me. <laughs> Their sneeze right. was going all over me, and I could yes. feel it. I could feel the force of the air. Yes. And it happened like three or four times, and maybe on the third time I turned to you, I think I just looked panicked on my face, like when I do, when I can't breathe because of the germs in the air. Yeah, I always, I can sense when, like if I hear, like we're in a restaurant or somewhere, a coffee mm-hmm. shop, recently mm-hmm. and i heard someone open air <laughs> coughing yeah and i know to look to you to see the panic that ensues like do i need to run away like not run <laughs> away but do you need to like make make more distance between yourself and the vile piece of shit who's just coughing his filth into the air yeah but yeah look, let me let me jump in here because yes you're not exaggerating what happened no because i felt <laughs> the Listen, if, if you cough, yeah, and you're behind us far enough, like you're not on top of me. We, I wasn't giving the guy a fucking piggyback ride. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and if I feel the wind, yes, the burst of air. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's too it, much. No, no man, no good. Yeah. So it happened the third time. You looked at me, and I was like, yeah, it's. Not good. And then at that point, I knew you were feeling it too. I thought he was just sneezing on me. That was both of us. Okay. And so then I think you said to me, if he does it again, I'm going to say something. And because it was a gr- that that time, the first time I felt it, it was uh, egregious. It was not like a oh he just you know sometimes there's like surprise sneezes and like yeah. oh shit that one snuck up on me i didn't know it was going to happen yeah yeah of course but he kept and kept and kept and kept yes. i thought it was coughing uh-huh. cuz i didn't feel any liquid but apparently you i mean that's a weird way to cough with just one cough with a large <laughs> burst of air like <laughs> you know i what is he doing right. what is he doing so right, anyway right, he right. he does it again and we both turn around at the exact same time because I, you know, it wasn't rehearsed. Yeah, I was like done. I was done. And I think I said, come on, dude, like, stop. And you said something about like covering 
his mouth and he didn't even look up at us. He, yeah, was, he was like staring down at his phone. But the, the, the younger guy who was with him. Yeah, he was, had a friend. Was mortified. Yeah, he looked at his friend <laughs> like he didn't know him. And um, probably like 15 to 20 seconds after we turned back around, the friend grabbed me by my shoulder and whispered in my ear, I apologize. And I just did the thing where I'm still looking straight and I just nod my head like, yeah, I hear you, yeah. but get away from me. Don't touch me um, and stop coughing on me. It just look, you're an adult. It, you're in a group of people. Yes. It, it goes beyond discourtesy. It is. It's. It's an assault. I, I was going to say. It's an assault. I, I think. It, I think. It, I do think. I don't. I'm not laughing. Yeah. I think it's an assault. Had we we gotten sick, it mm-hmm. would have been because of that. Mm-hmm. And what recourse do we have yeah. against this rude fuck at a concert who's just spewing his filth and germs? Yeah. All over everyone. Well, listen, I get it from kids. And remember, we had this conversation on the show because I think I was the one who taught you to cough into your elbow. Yeah, um, into the, the the cradle of my elbow. Yes, the necessity of covering your mouth with your elbow in particular, not your hand. And I don't understand what's so hard about this, but I will be at Target. I will be at Albertsons. I will be out in the world and I will see adults walking around literally just coughing into the air as they walk and go about their day. And we're in a grocery store. Look, like I'm buying been, vegetables and they're just say, hacking all over them. When you say you, you kind of got me into the coughing into the elbow thing. That's not like I was just <laughs> spewing my, 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 my grease into the open air. No, I know. It I was, know. I would cover my hands with my, or cover my mouth with my hands. Right. Because it was you cover your mouth when you sneeze or you cough. Mm-hmm. That got drilled in. Yeah, I didn't know there were extra steps, like more strategy involved. I just would cough into my hands or my 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 sneeze into my hand and then wash my hands. Right. So I wasn't like a monster. You're, I, you know, I want the audience to not. I hear well. Also, podcasters n- clicking off all over the country. I mean, no one believes that you would wash your hands after every time you sneezed or coughed into your hands because no one is doing that, and that's why you're not supposed to cough into your hands. That's true. Yeah. But I'm also not just... We know. I'm not a fucking sneeze Why are cannon. you so paranoid right now? I'm not a right cannon just firing off salvos. Okay. You 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 feel attacked right now. Yeah. I'm feeling attacked. And there's no reason for you to feel attacked. Are you... Don't therapize me. <laughs> like, no, I'm just... I'm, I'm talking about facts right now. There's no what, reason for you to feel... What's coming up for you right now? <laughs> <laughs> What a dick. So anyway, mm-hmm. we we both turned on our heels and we towered over those two. Which I think is fair. I think it's a fair reaction. Yes. I don't think it's out of line. And I don't know. It's getting ready to be flu season here. Come on. Get your we're shit in, under yes, control. We're in it. And get your shit under control. You're an adult. All right. Let's let's move. I'm getting I'm getting fired up. You're getting angry all over yeah. again. I'm gonna call the will turn and find out <laughs> who was that. I want I want video footage. Oh Jesus! So listen, um, we've been talking about um, missed episodes and sh- stressful schedules and stuff going on, and I made an announcement on Facebook today and on Twitter, and I just want to I want to follow it up by not really given any more information. I'm just going to read the statement because I want those who aren't on Facebook and aren't on Twitter to know uh, that I'm announcing today my total and complete separation from Statesmith, that I'm no longer in any way associated with the Facebook page, the website, or the brand in general. And please know that I have zero to do with any content, any posts on the Facebook page. They are not being posted by me at all going forward. Um, don't worry, though. I am soldiering on. Brittany and I are both soldiering on with the podcast and also me with the YouTube channel. Uh, that content is going to continue. As always, and this is sincere, um, we deeply love you guys and appreciate your support and your loyalty, uh, the friendships that we've cultivated. Um, we love you guys. And uh, moving on. All right. Um, also, a little housekeeping. Those uh, th- those 2020 stickers we did, we stopped talking about them, but we still have mm-hmm. a few of those. Yeah. If you want one of those, I, I think they're they are on the website, right? I forgot how we were saying. Yeah, it. in so, this in the sticker shop. That's right. You go to sticker shop on the left hand side of dollamore.com, mm-hmm. and that's how you get them. Yep. 
there. It helps support the show. It's awesome, and we'll get them right out to you. Uh, it's a good time. So anyway, that's a good way to support the show. The other thing... We want to harass you about the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, that's not going to stop until Thanksgiving. So yeah, you need so to get on your shit and get us a, a submission. We've already received <laughs> several submissions. Yeah. We really appreciate that. But keep them coming because it's not enough. Okay. Um, they're all anonymous. So you don't need to say your name. We posted the old episodes to the Facebook page. Well, old listener submission isolated videos to the Facebook page. Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about what that is. What the Thanksgiving episode, it it's an it's a time for you to be able to talk about what you're sincerely and genuinely thankful for for the year. So that's what we want from you is you recording yourself after reflection talking about what you're thankful for. Right. And we for those of you who are wondering what it is exactly that we're looking for or are nervous to kind of send something in, we posted the listener submissions that we received in the form of a YouTube video from Jesse's YouTube channel from 2014 and 2015 to the Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast on Facebook. So you can go listen to those and you can also go to dollamore.com and search Thanksgiving in the search box and it will bring up those Thanksgiving episodes if you want to listen to the full episode. They're family friendly. There's no cussing. Um, We only talk about good news and it's a really uplifting episode that is really centered on these listener communication, um, listener voicemails that we receive. So we really want to hear from you guys. Take some time. Reflect on the year that you've had. What experiences stand out to you? Which people stand out to you? And write something and then send it in. I mean, read it and send it in. Do not send us emails. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, One more thing, and that is the fact that this Sunday, we sat down with our future congressman. If all goes well, our future congressman, Harley Ruda, a bonus episode that we released this weekend. Um, We would really love for you to check that out. He is a he is an outstanding, decent man, and uh, it's a great episode. So it also, I think, should spark a lot of things in you to get involved relative to getting out there to vote. Um, very, very important to do so. I'm going to quit lecturing now. Let's get to some listener communication before we do anything else. Hi there, Jesse and Brittany. This is Christopher from Minnesota calling in real quick. I wanted to leave a voicemail specifically focus on the topic that was left by a voicemail from, uh, no, not a voicemail, an email from Loki. Um, and I, I did have a rebuke that I wanted to provide. And basically the context of the conversation was about the whole, um, you know, the black man being blocked by the white woman and asking for his apartment information, not believing that he's a resident there. So my rebuke to Loki's, you know, statement about the whole thing being, you know, that it's no big deal up until the moment that she calls the cops. That, you know, overall she's just doing what a tenant should do. Um, I would say that my rebuke is that, uh, yeah, all that stuff would be irrelevant, but we know that she called the cops. So everything else comes into hindsight about what she did. She, her character is, ju- is, is judged on that moment that she calls the, calls the cops. And then when you look back at the hindsight of all her decisions leading up to that moment, it all is put to a greater understanding of her, the decisions that she made. So we know the context of her character, the moment that she calls the cops. So you can say that all these things that she had done prior to that moment is just being a good tenant or whatever. I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying, but if that's to some format of what you're saying, it doesn't. It, it's rebuked by the fact that she called the cops. It's not despite that she called the cops. It's because she called the cops. All the things that she did to that moment is brought into a greater understanding that she is a shitty person. She was calling the cops to harass this guy, and everything else she did to that moment before she called the cops was to harass this black man. But that's my rebuke. Um, See you later. Bye. I don't know whether... uh... I don't know whether it's my my background, my my being raised in as an evangelical conservative evangelical Christian, but for some reason the word rebuke, I don't like it. 
It's um, a little harsh for me. You think of Satan. No, no, no. Because we, we, we would say all the time to one another that I'm going to rebuke you if I... Like, you know, just, it's just a term you, that the Christians use or my flavor of Christian would use. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. So I, I'm going to rebuke you, Christopher. In the name of the Lord. No, it just, it's a... Uh, I would say pushback. You're going to push back a little bit. Rebuke is just so fucking... I don't know. I wonder if Christopher grew up in that tradition of the church and he's it's, it's just a carryover mm-hmm. i agree with everything he said other than the use of that's to me aggressive word rebuke it, it really is and i i failed we both failed i guess how did i fail you didn't bring that point up either okay <laughs> i'm not going down alone i'm dragging you down with me because it is that that is the telling thing we know that she called the cops in a shitty way which colors every other thing she did with that same brush yeah i'm fairly certain that one of us made that point <laughs> and if i'm gonna put money on it i'd bet it's me uh but yeah i yes this also references what loki said when they mentioned the the thing that they would have done right that's right yeah, or yeah, that yeah. they would have liked to have seen from this woman and the point is she didn't do those things we didn't so, see that she yeah. didn't do that i mean we could say oh if she had done this then it would have been different yeah it, it would be different and she didn't do that so it's not different yeah thanks for the call christopher <laughs> we appreciate it i think we have a an email that's centering around this same series of events that we're facing day after day week after week of white people calling the cops on black people for fucking stupid reasons. So this person messaged us from the website where you can put in a name where it says, what do we call you? And this person wrote, broke ass college student. All right. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I emailed you all a while back. Just want to insert in here. We don't remember broke ass college student, but okay. (laughs) I think I would remember broke-ass college student. (laughs) I don't remember which episode, but it was about police brutality after the killing of another deep sigh black man at the hands of police. I was listening to episode 456, and you all talked about the Walmart Wendy case. Fortunately for me, that's my Walmart. I'm a student at the university in town it is in, and the area has really seen a boom in population because of said school, but also because there are a lot of people moving to Atlanta and the metro Atlanta area. With that comes diversity, but we are still in the South, and many areas still have residents who, for lack of a better term, are, quote, uncomfortable with diversity. Talking to students here, many are not surprised at what happened. In the South, as a person of color, you get used to it. And anybody of color in the South knows what I mean when I say it. The sheen of discomfort that might not evoke retaliation, slurs thrown your way, obvious acts of racism, but just a feeling of knowing in some places you are the other. And in my case, quite literally feeling my blackness. Depending on where you are, what time it is, and how many people you are with, it isn't uncommon to get looks. And sometimes even the cops called on you for being no more than a social human. Living in Metro Atlanta, you don't really hear the N-word being hurled at people or anything like that. More or less, it's an in-the-closet racism that permeates, unfortunately. A, quote, we won't call you the N-word publicly, but... Boy, wait until I get home and around my family kind of racism. A don't dare think of bringing my daughter on a date kind of racism. You get the point. I'm not surprised at the actions of Walmart Wendy. I've met, talked with, worked with many people who are probably just like her, and I hope she truly does mean well. There still is subconscious or I dare say systemic racism in a lot of us. And the best way to combat that is to understand that immediate reaction is taught and to work on having that reaction become less and less of a natural reaction. Not everyone is the same and assuming makes you look like an ass. Now this viewpoint is my own and I don't want to make it seem like the South is a scary place or that white people who live here are all racist or that my thinking is that all black and brown populations because obviously that isn't true. Thanks Jesse and Brittany for letting me rant and not having a word limit to these messages. <laughs> uh, best Kai 
P.S. If this makes it to the show, please tell all those in Georgia, make sure to vote Stacey Abrams. Even though our situation with voter rights and registration seem to go unseen, make your voice heard. Yes. Um, I, after every single one of these incidents, coupled with the understanding, the little understanding I have of, of, what black Americans go through on a, on a daily basis. It makes me think that black people in America are the most long suffering, patient group of individuals, maybe on the goddamn planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you there, I mean, there, there seems to be two, two outcomes that come to mind. If I was fucked with constantly in my life, all the time, and it would be rage and and um, retaliation, or throwing my hands up and just completely giving up. And I, I don't see that. I see a lot of activism. I see a lot of of really taking the the moral arc of the universe is is long but it bends toward toward justice um and I don't know that I have that in personally I don't know that I would have that in me if for, for every every year of my life I could I could name dozens and dozens of moments where I was being oppressed or fucked with or just generally treated shit, shitty you know yeah, I saw a video on Twitter. Someone was standing in a fast food line and they were filming and a white woman was in front of them and then a black woman was in front of her. And this white woman just walks right up to her and starts playing with her hair. And I mean, it looked it looked so casual and like so close that you thought these people knew each other and that uh. they were that they were friends and they didn't know each other. They were not friends. That is... And she just walked up and started touching her hair. Wow. And this woman was so calm and so kind when she she shouldn't have had to act like that. She shouldn't right. have had to be kind to this person who is touching her without her consent. Yeah. She doesn't know this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was watching this like... Oh my god! Because you you hear about this all the time, right? You know, I used to like think that people were overreacting, like like in the videos, Buzzfeed will do videos about the white people in the office, and they're like, oh, again, they just touched their hair, and I'm like, there's no way people are doing that. That's just so fucking aggressive. That's not a real thing. Do you think it's because it's a foreign concept to you? No, that's what to I'm getting touch at. Someone like that. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. But clearly, mm -hmm. that's a real fucking thing. Yes, and I'm just too normal. <laughs> And couldn't conceive yeah. of doing that. Yeah, I don't touch anybody. I can't listen. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Because um, I'm a big guy and I have to really think about encroaching in people's space because I'm also boisterous and, you know, a, a lover and I touch people. And I, I'm really coming around recently in the last couple of years to be like, you know, can I hug you or, you know, gesture both my arms out that if you want to hug, here it is. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I love how awkward you were acting just now <laughs> with your arms up. Right. And can I can I give you a hug? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, remember with Lisa Rowland at Patricon last year, mm -hmm. that was when I started kind of realizing that maybe my way of doing things isn't it's making other people uncomfortable. Anyway, we're getting off off track, but I, I, I just I can't imagine touching someone just randomly a stranger mm -hmm. like oh look at this like that's yeah. it's not your place man yeah for sure so to the 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 emailer i listen i'm uh i feel you and I, listen i i don't believe that the south is filled with terrible terrible people there's just enough terrible people there that it's notable i when <laughs> When I landed in Atlanta, um, when I was there for SPSP presenting um, my research, yeah, and I 
I landed in Atlanta and I was waiting for my Uber and I got in my Uber and the whole way to my Airbnb, it was so amazing. The playlist that was being played. It was, I got in, it was the song Daz by Brick, you know, Brick, but no. Okay. I, I think I know which one it is. Okay. I know I know one of the ones that it is, I think. Yeah. So anyway, it was just great, funky tunes. And I was like immediately. You fell in love with it. Yeah, I was just. Because I'm, of your Uber ride. Yeah. I'm, I was super happy <laughs> and it, it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. So, hey, listen, um, along with the, 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 the email, the broke ass college student um, about voting for Stacey Abrams and about. Um, the Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, throwing out voter registrations, 53,000, mm-hmm. all this shenanigans. There's, I think there's an update on that, and it's it's gotten worse. Yeah, Georgia officials removed an estimated 107,000 people from voter rolls because they decided not to vote in prior elections. So this is something that they do. People who haven't voted in prior elections, they then just delete your voter registration yeah. remove you from the voter rolls unnecessary and the voters were removed under the state's use it or lose it law which starts a process for removing people from voter rolls if they fail to vote respond to a notice or make contact with election officials over a three-year period all this is is a way to get voters who aren't at listen the 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 trend plays out that if you the the higher voter turnout is the better it is for democrats so if they can cull the voter rolls of people who aren't active voters it is likely going to work in the favor of Republicans. That's why they do this. Well, and these laws are typically put in place by Republican governments and they're becoming more common with at least 9 states now having yeah. them. And what you're saying is true in I, I don't understand this concern over voter fraud specifically because the statistics don't show that it is something to be concerned about whatsoever. But even with this like three year span, I mean, I'm trying to think about what the argument would be here and what they're concerned about. Yeah. And even if people have died and they're still on the voter rolls, like they're not going to vote. Also, it's not costing the state any more goddamn money to have people on the voter rolls that aren't going to be showing up to vote. Yeah. So. All it does is point to their intent to suppress Democrat vote, to suppress African-American vote. It is a sinister, racist motivation, and it needs to be fucking stopped. Here's the deal. If you show up on November 6th to vote, and by whatever state, and and by chance they tell you, you're not registered, here is what you do. Listen to me now. You request a provisional ballot. You demand a a provisional ballot. You don't leave without having voted via provisional ballot. Then they will test the veracity of your claim to be a registered or or, uh, qualified voter. Mm -hmm. And it's not... Because if you walk away, there's no vote. Right. If you cast a provisional ballot, there's a good chance it'll be counted. Right. But there's no fucking chance it's going to be counted if you don't sit there and demand a provisional ballot. Right. So that's one way to not let them take that away that's from you. That's right. And what what's particularly disturbing about the situation in Georgia is that Brian Kemp, of course, is the Republican running against Stacey Abrams for governor. That's right. Who and, happens to also be the Secretary of State. Right. Yeah. Overseeing the elections. That's exactly right. And so this person who is obviously looking for a particular outcome in the election and is motivated to be taking certain actions related to voter suppression is in charge of the elections and has the control and ability to do those things to interfere. That should not be happening. There should be a recusal there. Yes. He should be putting his number two in charge or an independent um, surveyor, someone who's going to overlook the thing. Right. But fairness isn't in the cards for him. That's not what he's looking at. Mm -hmm. He's looking to win. Mm -hmm. That's why he's trying to systematically purge the roles. That's why he's trying to systematically um, disenfranchise tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of residents 
of Georgia. Mm-hmm. His, so fuck that guy. His commercials are very much like an SNL skit. <laughs> uh, seriously. No, they are. With the massaging of the guns and it's kind of like sexual those commercials a little it's bit. So stupid. The, the way he's treating the guns he in his lap. He gets in this is my old truck and I'm going to go and round up the illegals by myself in my old truck. And then he looks at the camera and goes, "Yeah, I said that." <laughs> You're a douche, dude. <laughs> You're not an intimidating tough guy. You're not some mama. I'm an alpha male. Yeah, Just calm down with your guns. What's disturbing about that is you always hear that line of, well, they say what we're thinking, you know? Yeah. Well, that's really disturbing. Can you? <laughs> if that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Can you <laughs> go talk to somebody and kind of get that out and work through that? Because no, we don't. we don't need all of this happening to us. Every day I turn the TV on. And it's very upsetting. Okay. There's all kinds of really mean stuff I want to say right now. Yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. About people carelessly cleaning their guns. Don't look in the barrel. Whatever you do, do not look in the barrel of a loaded gun. Didn't you say that he pointed (laughs) his gun at At the kid kid in the commercial that he was doing? Somebody pushed back on YouTube and said, well, he didn't, because it's muzzle discipline and awareness of where you're pointing a weapon. You know, you you just don't. You don't point at anything you're not willing to kill. That's, that's you don't kind wave of the it rule. around. That's right. It's not a toy. And it's one of those deals. You're going to date my daughter, Herberty Durr. You know what I mean? That's the kind of the tone of what was going on here. Well, well, well let's get in the mood. Okay. And so he's he's got his gun there. And, well, you got to like the policies that I do my to do when I got my gun. And then any any the guns near the kid, like directed at the kid, not pointing directly at him. Mm-hmm. But it's a shotgun. Yeah. A shotgun's not a single projectile that goes in one single direction. It is a spray pattern of pellets that get shot out of a shell. Mm-hmm. So the kid could have definitely been hurt. Yeah. If not killed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Don't vote for Brian Kemp. Come on. Yeah, but make sure you are registered to vote. Make sure, <laughs> yeah, okay. make sure you are getting out there to vote because uh, this is a really important one, you guys. It really is. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. Um, before we move on to, to the mid-roll and then on to Dollamocracy, I think you have some numbers there that I... They bum me out. and It's about the cops. Yes, and particularly sexual assaults um, at the hands of cops. Yeah. So according to research from Bowling Green State University, police officers in the U.S. were charged with forcible rape 405 times between 2005 and 2013. That's an average of 45 a year. Forcible fondling was more common with 636 instances. Blue lives matter, everybody. So this is in the news because a police officer in Prince George's County, Maryland, was charged this week with raping a woman during a traffic stop. He's pleaded not guilty, but obviously it's disturbing to hear this case. And then even more disturbing to hear the stats here, especially when you take into consideration the reports that don't make it to the police. Yeah, of course. Because... Look at the track record of terrible crimes that are committed by cops every day. Killings. The usurpation of of constitutional rights. And now rape and sexual assault and fondling. And come on. Mm -hmm. Well, and the researchers here compiled their list by documenting cases of sworn non-federal law enforcement officers who have been arrested. Um, but they say this problem isn't limited to sexual assault. So in terms of cops behaving badly, it isn't just killing unarmed black men. Yeah. It isn't just abusing their power in a litany of ways. It's also forcible rape. Yeah. Sexual assault. Yeah. Um, and it's remarkable to think the power that these people are given and the way that they use it. Well, it, listen... If you give someone tremendous power, unchecked power, and they see their colleagues abuse that power and get away with it, with impunity, with no consequences whatsoever, the the, the bad characters who would normally be reined in by the threat of consequence 
are free to do whatever the fuck they want to do. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people are drawn to law enforcement because of that immunity from prosecution, seeming immunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you also have the issues here with uh, non-disclosure agreements, where in some cases, if a police officer has committed a crime, uh, there will be a non-disclosure agreement in victim settlements. Yeah. So you have that issue. Then you have the issue of you have to call the police on the police officer that raped you. Right. And, and blue wall of silence all over again. Right. There is this effort to protect police officers and their reputations among the police. Yeah. And this is also something that was on a recent episode of Serial, the season three of the Serial podcast, which is great. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> they yeah. don't need me to promote their podcast, but uh, well, here I am. You promote Serial, and I have another one I want to promote today, since this is what we're doing. It's, oh, Okay. Yeah, go ahead, finish. It's because it is. It's tremendous. It's a great tremendous. What am I fucking Donald Trump with? Tremendous. Well, I have to keep pausing it because I get very angry and I start yelling. Yeah, you do. And um, I, yeah, you do. I basically just repeat things that were said and scream about them. And I mean, it's it's incredibly frustrating. But they're spending this season in a courthouse in is he, Cleveland. Is he fucking <laughs> listening to himself right now? <laughs> Yeah, there's quite a bit of that. But <laughs> it's just really powerful. And I yeah. think that it, it it's giving people a needed perspective on what goes on and how unfair these systems really are. I hope that something comes of it. And the imbalance of power that exists. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but just listen to it. So, it's really important. So the other podcast that I just listened to today, it's a part one and two. It's Reply All. And they did a two-part series on New York City in the 80s. And like the criminal, the the system that they had, um, and it, it it goes all the way into the '90s and even more recently, hmm. um, that they were just anyway. I'm not going to get into it, but it's awesome. Go listen to the two most recent episodes of Reply All. Then, then or before whatever, check out Serial because Sarah Koenig. She's doing bang up work. Seriously, yeah, I, she's really funny. We don't do a lot of we don't do a lot of plugging of other shows. Especially major shows, and uh, but when somebody's doing it right, you you gotta check it out. Yeah, I love that show. I don't want it to end. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you. By way of Patreon, your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Austin. Austin. Austin upped his pledge. That is fantastic. And we have two new Patreon supporters. Yes. Both with some J names here. Ah. We have Jackie. Jackie. And Jose. Jose. Remember we had a, sl a slate of J names for like a month and a half. I remember that. <laughs> that it was like 90% people with J names. Yeah. Let me tell you, thank you guys so very much. After the week or the month that we've been having, um, we really appreciate the, the 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 boosts in your pledges and the the new pledges. It really is. It's um, it's reassuring mm -hmm. that what we're doing means something to somebody. And uh, w without uh, getting emotional, um, it means a lot. It means it really does mean a lot to us. So I also want to say that the October hangouts are scheduled for this week, this Friday, October 26th at 8 p.m. Pacific time and Saturday, October 27th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So those will go out to the appropriate tier, a message. You will receive one before the time <laughs> um, and it will have a link to join the call. We used to call them Google Hangout calls, but they are no longer Google Hangout calls. They are Zoom Hangout calls and you just click a little link and you join the zoom hangout and everything is great yes because google only lets like 10 people in including us right and sometimes it is a party in there yeah so yeah. we need a little bit more room especially the friday night call yes well, it gets a little party ish mm -hmm. a little party adjacent yes <laughs> mm -hmm. anyway we love you guys also holiday season dollamore.com slash amazon good times had by all 
or at least those who shop on Amazon. Helps us out. Every little bit goes a long way. All of the shit we normally say. Good times. That rhyme didn't really mean for that to happen. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, speaking of realistic optimism, I think I'm known as the guy sometimes who's unduly optimistic. You think you're known as the guy sometimes? <laughs> what What are you getting at? I don't know. Usually, if you're known as the guy, it's not sometimes. It's you're known as the guy. Well, who's... I'm also I'm also a pissed off guy sometimes. All right. There are different guys within me. Yeah, I think maybe that's why you're just known as the guy who's like a normal guy that has some different types of moods. All right. Shit on what I say. Good times. (laughs) I'm really tired. Being the optimistic guy, you know, I hear all the time people that are really down and out about where we are with our politics in America. Very down and out about Trump voters. That why do we even try with these fucking people? There's no convincing them. There's no amount of cajoling or discussion or arguing or 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 laying out the facts that are going to convince these people that Donald Trump, the guy they voted for, the guy they were worshiping, is a bad fucking guy. Well, one of the most controversial parts of the show we've ever had (laughs) is when we actually read messages from former Trump supporters about essentially bringing them back into the fold and how can people forgive people who voted for Trump that now realize their mistake. Leah and Nemo in Maine. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and their messages kind of kicked off that conversation. And there was a lot of pushback where people were very unhappy. Like, no, you made yeah. this mistake and you're going to now live with it for the rest of your life or whatever. I don't know what the position is, but um, th- there was a, but there was a segment on CNN where Allison Camerata talked to former Trump supporters. They voted for Trump. And now all of them are in different stages of disconnection from that decision. They are moving away from it. They're either registered as Democrats now, independents. And some of these people are actually she has interviewed them before when they were yeah. when they were Trump supporters. And so she has the ability to actually like play footage of them when they were Trump supporters kind of a remember when yeah and kind of have a moment of reflection for them like hey remember when you said that can can I get your reaction to that (laughs) (laughs) so I guess what I'm saying is because I get I get the frustration and I get the impulse I know I was being a little dismissive of it like two minutes ago but I I do get it I just think that I just think that we we have to try to find a way. Um, otherwise, we're going to be screwing ourselves, basically. So I think that this clip we're going to play here illustrates both Jesse's optimism and, I guess, my advocating for like not giving up on people. How many of you consider the midterm vote very important? How many of you consider this a protest vote? Dale, I'll start with you. I've been a lifelong Republican since the day I turned 18. For the first time in my life, I'm going to vote a straight Democratic ticket uh, in midterms. Is if they're connected to Donald Trump, they are not connected to me. So you now are no longer a Republican. I am not. No, I'm changed my registration to Independent because of Donald Trump. Because of Donald Trump, it was no longer the party that I joined. It's morphed into. Something that's almost unrecognizable. Stephanie, what are you wrestling with? I feel like I'm kind of with, without a party. You were a lifelong Republican. Right. If somebody had told you, say, 15 years ago, that you are preparing to vote a straight up and down Democratic ticket in the midterms, you would have said what to them? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So why are you now doing it? To see Republicans not stand up to him and... The ones that do are just quitting, just walking away. It's like some, someone in the party needs to challenge them or challenge him or find someone better, find some, some better options. Nancy, how do you feel about it? I just think there's no values left anymore. There should be values. We have no values. He doesn't have any values. I thought he had values. 
What made you think that he had values I don't when know, you just, voted for him? He's talking about bringing America back. And I'm thinking, these are values. I thought he was more in the middle and not Republican, not to the right. And I thought the left was too far left. I want. I'm gonna, let's stop it there. Because this is a classic example of when someone could say, because I said it when I watched this. I'm like, what do you mean? You thought he was in the middle. Yeah. Did you not fucking listen to him? Mm-hmm. Were you not watching the rallies? Right. Where he's offering to pay for people's legal bills if they beat the fuck out of somebody in the crowd? I, so I get angry too. <laughs> However, mm-hmm. it's perfectly she's natural. She's turned the corner. She's now realizing the folly of her ways. What are we to do? Shame her and ostracize her or say, hey, hey, listen, we got a big tent. Come on back and nurture that logic and reason she's now found that she wasn't able to grasp or maintain before. I also think it's powerful just just what she's doing, which is modeling for the people that are watching. I was wrong. I'm here on TV talking about how I was wrong. I was one of you. I was I was a Trump person. And I'm like admitting that I was wrong and did something bad. Yeah. And now I'm different. And look at me. I'm surviving. I'm not uh, being struck by lightning right now. I think people sometimes just need to know it's okay to come out and say that they were wrong yeah. or they've changed their mind. And so I think even just modeling this behavior on TV is a pretty powerful thing. And someone in the middle. So I thought it was going to change. No, it got worse. Let's just make sure that we have the house as we want it, right? So this way, at least no major damage will be done, right? That's the short term. And I think the long term is, uh, I think we need to come up with some solutions. I mean, let's work together. How many of you want Democrats to take the House? All of them. And And we pray that the Senate will go, too. For God's sake, they have to put an end to this mess. Anthony, we interviewed you 11 months ago. Back then, you were on the fence about President Trump. Try to be fair. We were at the first quarter of the game. I would always support the president, especially at the early part of the game. And not to pour salt in a wound, but just to remind you of what you told us back then. Watch this. We do not have a puppet in the White House anymore. That makes your life better. That gives me hope. How do you feel today? We've got a very crazy man driving the train. And he's going to kill this country. And Anthony, are you voting a straight up and down Democratic ticket in the midterm? Not only there, I am actually for the very first time contributing across the board, across the country. And I've never, ever written a check or spent any money on anything political because you I'm afraid. Nev- you, I'm afraid. You've never given a nickel. political contribution. You've never given a nickel for a political contribution. And now you're starting to open your checkbook. It's a fear. Mm-hmm. I just want to say to every American that's having trouble with this, I am sorry I voted for him. I regret it with all my heart. I feel like I've enabled this monster to destroy democracy, destroy everything that is good in this country. You've been an independent for a long time, but now what? No, I'm definitely voting Democrat. I've been knocking on doors. I got a clipboard. You're even canvassing. I am canvassing for a Democrat That's in Wyoming. That's how strongly you feel. I believe hardly anything the president says, but I do believe he's a danger to this country and to our democracy. And I'm going to fight every day. I'm going to fight every day. So I don't want to say this is the norm because it's certainly not right. It is rare for people to come out and say these things and admit that they've changed and do it so rapidly. I would say. Yeah, but it's not so rare that they were unable to find a cross-section of people, even people they've interviewed before. You know what I mean? No, of course. I just, I'm saying we're not hearing about this all the time yeah. because it's probably not happening all the time. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. But I would say that what we are seeing, what is dominating TV is the rallies and the people laughing and applauding yes. when Donald Trump is behaving terribly. Um, and I think a lot of people can look at, look at those images of the men elbowing each other when he's mocking Christine Blasey Ford and laughing hysterically and say, yeah, these people are never going to change. Like this is who these people are. And I think in some cases that's correct. If you're going to a rally now, still this late in the game, you might be a lost cause. But these people, yeah. I mean, you heard that guy. We don't have a puppet in the White House anymore. One year later, he's like, 
I'm scared. Yeah. We I'm, have- I'm now, I've never given money to political candidates in my life. Right. And I'm spreading the wealth around now all over the country right. to Democratic candidates. That's, that's some clear vision that he has now. Clearly, right. clearly clear vision. No. <laughs> we're tired and you always see this um this on social media where people are so encouraging of open your mind and learn about the facts and rely on expertise but then there's also the sentiment of hey where the fuck have you been yeah that's exactly right i've known about this for years why don't why have why haven't you been on board with this for years where have you been it's like well do you want people to have an open mind do you want them to start valuing evidence do you want them to re- rely on experts uh do you want that or do you want to shame them because they're late to the party you know i mean we we have to find common ground here we have to find a balance between these two things and yes it's frustrating yes you're wondering well where the hell have you been but like you said Jesse um the tent is big yeah and at some point, it's going to come down to this this matter of: Are we going to be able to win? Are we able yeah. to? Are we able to get people to see the benefit of voting a Democratic ticket, right? Not just out of their fear of Donald Trump. Well, also, because listen, politics is a group thing too. And if if we're if if the left or liberals or Democrats or Donald Trump resistors are all a bunch of judgmental hateful assholes i think there's a proclivity to say i don't want to be a part of that i may agree with some of their positions but i don't want to be identified with those assholes Mm -hmm. because look there are still tenants of conservatism that scratch an itch for me being good stewards of, of taxpayer dollars still is an important thing for me not running the government in deficits year after year after year is important and responsible, I think. But there's not a fucking chance I'm going to be a part of a Republican party that's white nationalist central with idiots like Steve King and Donald Trump and mm-hmm. the rest of the gaggle of hateful bigots. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do that, even if there are a few positions that I really agree with. Yeah. Not going to fucking do it. Mm-hmm. So we listen. There, the phrase uh, "better late than never." If it applies anywhere where it's important and it matters, this is it. Better late than never. Hey, look, we get it. You fucked up. We're glad you're back. I think some people also express the sentiment of they don't trust their motives. It's like, well, just let them vote their ticket then, and yeah. you you don't need to trust their motives. Let, let them, them vote their yeah. Democratic ticket. Let them do the right thing for the wrong reason. Yeah, you'll get the right outcome. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I'm icking kind of the audience or the people who are pissed off about it. But come on, man. Loosen up a little bit. but Get a little softy in you about uh, some empathy for these people. Because clearly they're not, these aren't political scientists we're looking at. These are, you know, uninformed fucking voters who were wooed by a con man. Are we going to be, you got fucking wooed by the three card Monty guy. Fuck you. Oh, you lost money because you got scammed. Fuck you. These are people who get scammed by people on the phone. Mm-hmm. This is the type of person we're talking about here. These are the type of people. You got to have empathy for these people. Should I cricket myself? <laughs> <laughs> I was letting you sit with it. All right. Given the look on your face. All right. Anyway, we're going to move on. Um, here, here's, we're gonna, We'll wrap with this. Um, Nate Silver sat down with George Stephanopoulos, and I want to give you guys the straight scoop, as we always do, about kind of where the election stands. And Nate, if anybody's going to give you the straight scoop and, and, a, and a qualified, um, uh, authoritative answer and analysis on where we stand with the elections, both the House and the Senate, it is Nate Silver from 538. Um, so listen, we'll talk about it after. And now we're joined by America's top political statistician, Nate Silver from 538, here to break down his team's latest forecast for the midterms. Nate, thanks for joining us. Let's start with Texas. How do you see the race? So the polls have Cruz up by a fairly solid margin there, six or seven points on average. We give him about an 80 um, percent chance of winning. Um, We should say, though, Texas is a tricky state to poll. Beto would rely on Hispanic voters, young voters, people who newly migrated to Texas. Um, If every eligible voter in Texas turned out, that could be a very close race. If not, 
you can see him getting 47, 48%. You need 50 to win, and it's still a, a very red state. We're going to be seeing that number 80 a lot from your forecast today. Yeah. Let's look at the overall the Senate zone. forecast. We're in the 80 yeah. zone with a lot of stuff. Let's look at the Senate forecast. We're going to put it up right now. What do we have there? Two and nine chance Democrats win control. Seven and nine chance Republicans keep control. Just shy of 80 percent there. 79. Yeah. Um, and it's not a coincidence that that's very similar to the Texas forecast because it's hard to find a clear path for Democrats right now. They have to win one of Texas, Tennessee or North Dakota. Um, all, which are, all behind right now. And they're all behind in those races. If you are to have a very good turnout again, then they're not so far behind where it's hopeless. And that's where, you know, the 20 percent is a real tangible probability. Um, but there, the Senate's a very race by race driven forecast. And those races that looked like toss ups before and have, have shifted into what we call the lean Republican column, um, meaning that they have to kind of sweep all the toss ups Democrats and then win one of these that look a little bit difficult. So you probably need polls to be off overall in the way they were, for example, in 2016, where they just beat their polls across the board. Then we're talking about a possible path. But um, but the Senate math is really tough in all these very red states. For the Democrats take control, you might even see Republicans pick up seats. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, it's it's at least as likely that the GOP would gain seats. And there are scenarios where they win all the toss up races and they could they could win three Senate seats, even in a world where they lose the House potentially. OK, let's look at the House as well. There were a flip side of the Senate numbers. Right there. Let's put up the House numbers right now. You see a seven and nine chance, six and seven chance the Democrats win control. One in seven chance Republicans keep control. So there it comes down to 85 percent chance the Democrats win control. That sounds a lot bigger than it is, right? Yeah, look, I mean, if you were running a business um, and I told you there's a 15 percent chance or a 20 percent chance that your key supplier won't make its delivery, you would treat that as a very tangible real world risk and you would do things to hedge against it. Um, The thing about the House is that you cannot circle 23 districts where you say, oh, I know for sure Democrats will win these. Maybe 10, 12, 15 look very likely. However, you have a field of maybe 80, 90, 100 potential pickups mathematically, probably the dice come up <laughs> good enough for Democrats in enough of those districts. But like there are not a lot of guarantees. And the House is very much fought at a district by district level. And only a, a handful of seats where the Democrats could lose the seat. And that's why I mean, it's it really is the mere image of the Senate where Democrats have so much exposure in the Senate. All these incumbents, you know, all these very red states, just the reverse of that in the House where Democrats are kind of in a no lose situation, almost literally in the House, where they might have four or five seats they could lose versus 100 GOP seats in play. Um, not a lot of guarantees, but that's why we show like a very wide range, anywhere from a 20-seat gain if Democrats have a disappointing night, which is not quite enough, up to 50, 60 seats if the turnout is, is very high. What are, what are the biggest X factors that increase the uncertainty in your model? It is turnout. I mean, it's turnout is always difficult um, for pollsters to forecast. And the fact that you have a lot of districts that have not had competitive races in a long time Turnout's even more difficult to forecast there than in a state like Florida, for example. And we have two weeks to go. Um, you know, I would not put it past us for, have, for us to have another October surprise or two in the era of, of Trumpian news cycles. <laughs> That's an important caution right there. Nate Silver, thanks very much. There's a theme here, boys and girls. Voter fucking turnout. He has said this over and over and over. If... Every eligible voter was to turn out in Texas. Beto O'Rourke would be a shoe-in to defeat the monstrous Ted Cruz. Right now, and he's also saying that voter turnout is hard to predict. It's hard to forecast. Right now in Houston, early voting uh, stations, polling stations, Mm-hmm are overwhelmed yes. with four, five times the number of voters that they're normally accustomed to. It looks like Black Friday lines out there. It, God damn, that's exactly what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable and spectacular, and that is a good, good sign. That is what we need. It, it, so listen, if you're not if you're in Texas, for sure get out there and vote. Get your neighbor to vote, get your cousin to vote, get your grandma to vote for O'Rourke. If you're in any other state, it doesn't matter if you're in a safe district. Let your voice be heard. It is important. Anything can happen. And I'm not even gonna guilt you that it's your civic duty. It's not about that. It's that in every race, anything could happen. 
like Brittany said, Harley Ruda won the primary here in our district by 125 votes. Yeah. It is critically, vitally important that you and whoever you can bring to the polls with you to multiply, to amplify the power of your vote, that you do that. I know I sound preachy, but God damn it. It is important. And we're almost there, and you will almost be through hearing the lectures. <laughs> well, I'll find something else. Two more weeks. <laughs> Two more weeks, you guys. It's the asshole of today. Heidi Cruz. Heidi Cruz. What did Heidi Cruz do? I have no idea, by the way. She is the wife of Ted Cruz. I know that part. And she... I know you're not just talking to me. She has an interesting um, job. She works for Goldman Sachs, a managing director. So she makes some funds, is what I'm saying. That's right. She recently did an interview. I believe it was with Vanity Fair. Yes, I think that that is... The publication. Are you fact-checking yourself as you stall? It was The Atlantic. It, it was, was not Vanity Fair. <laughs> and <laughs> Instant fact-check. Yes. Um, and she, she said some very tone-deaf things. She was talking about being the family's primary breadwinner. Well, that's not shitty. Working 70-hour working weeks. Well, I Am mean, I impatient? Well... <laughs> No, listen, I mean, it's not it's not a problem that she's talking about being the family's primary breadwinner. Yeah. But the thing is, her husband makes one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars per year, which is what, like four times the average salary yeah. in the United States. So she's States. acting like she's that he's like a stay at home dad kind of a thing. Yeah, I guess when I hear primary breadwinner, it just, it, you know, I kind of think of a a parent that is working a lot and the other parent maybe doesn't make as much money and it's like a struggle. Oh, I don't know. I, get, no, I don't no, know. I see what you're saying. No, no, no. Maybe that, I just put that no, connotation no, no. on it. No, you're right. Because let's say he makes 175 and she makes 180. Does that mean she's the primary breadwinner? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, she does not make just 180. I know. I know. Uh, but I, I'm saying. Yeah. During their tax filings uh, during the 2015 presidential campaign, they showed together on their taxes that they made five million dollars between 2011 and 2014. Wow. Including nine hundred and seventy thousand uh, dollars in his first year in the Senate. But the thing that she said here, and I want to read a quote. Um, quote, I really feel mission driven on what he's accomplishing, referring to Ted, but it does take some supportiveness, you know, six to seven years in with me being the primary breadwinner. It's like, uh, yeah, this is when people say, thank you. I'll now take that appreciation. Yeah. We're seven years into this. And Are you we're, fucking kidding me? And we're not buying a second home anytime soon. Oh, boo hoo. You're not going to buy a second home and we're supposed to feel fucking sorry for you? Douche chill. Come on, man. I mean, this is, it's tone deaf, but this is also concerning that the wife yeah. of an elected official is whining about not being able to buy a second home Yeah. in Texas. Seriously, it's disgusting. What is the state of things for your constituents? Shouldn't that be something that you're focused on? You said he made they made a million dollars his first year in the Senate. $980,000. Get the fuck out of here with your whiny bullshit about not being able to buy a second home. Because I can tell you, you can only live in one home at a time. Mm-hmm. It's not a necessity. It's not being able to buy a, a second car or a microwave that works. That is the ultimate luxury item, a second home. Yeah. But also Ted Cruz um, being the senator in Texas, Hurricane Harvey. Think of the disaster of Hurricane Harvey. Yes. And how many yeah. people lost their homes and how many people are living in poverty in Texas? How many people are wondering where their next meal is going to come from? Yeah. How they're going to get to work because their car is broken down. I mean, you you name it, right? If their kid is going to have a coat for the wintertime, all of these things. And then you have Heidi Cruz talking about money 
and laughing saying, we're not going to be able to buy a second home anytime soon because we're so financially strapped. No, this is not what we should want to hear from our elected officials. And if you didn't have enough reason to reject Ted Cruz, I think this is another. She's not a Christian! And I know that Heidi is a different person from Ted, but I think that we can... They're calculating. I mean... They're not much separation there. Is she the one who like wants a second home and he's worried about people in poverty? I, right. doub- I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> I think we know the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, all right. That was me virtually sneezing on the audience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they appreciate Did you that. Feel it? Did you feel it, everybody? Yikes. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, we're going to leave you there. You we are love you flying guys. off the handle right now. Yeah, well, I got shit to do. We need to end the show. There's, I, I got stuff going on. All right. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We love your support. Please, if you like and appreciate or love and cherish and adore Brittany Page, <laughs> as everybody knows, it's not the case with me. But if you love her, we'd love your support on Patreon. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. Actually, there's a new link. It's Team Dollamore. Hmm. Yeah. Bought a little domain. TeamDollamore.com. TeamDollamore.com, and that will forward you to Patreon. And if you appreciate what we do, you, you, you want to help us move the conversation forward. You want to help us keep the lights on and, and support our work here, both here on the podcast, but also YouTube, go to TeamDollamore.com. And help us with a dollar a month, two bucks a month, five, ten, twenty, whatever you can afford that is 100% safe and within your budget. We don't want people going crazy. You're not going to win the lottery by by giving us giving us money, supporting the show that way. You might win the lottery by buying lottery tickets, though. You have about a 305 million to one chance. And we hope that if you do win, dear listener, you don't forget about us. That's right. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in twice a week or three times a week or as often as you do. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It. With just one cough with a large burst of air. Like, <laughs> you know, I, what is he doing? What is he doing? <laughs>